At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Run Line, VSIN's premier baseball betting show. With Adam Burke, here's Ben Wilson. Hi, everybody, and welcome in. It is the Run Line here from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, live from our downtown Circus Sportsbook Studios. Fabulous. Las Vegas, with Adam Burke, who writes a daily article for us at vcin.com. Your official title is something like Senior Baseball Analyst, Executive. Official Mr. title is whatever you want it to okay. be. Okay, that's great. Whatever. Co- co-host of the run line. <laughs> whatever it is. All I know is he's a really smart baseball guy. Sits usually in this seat, on this desk, every Sunday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. I'm Ben Wilson, Jason Kahn, our producer tonight. We have a lot to get to. As always, we have some of the, the true staples of this show, the regression report. We'll talk real or fake. We'll update you on Sunday Night Baseball in a little bit. Uh, But this is one of those weeks, Adam, where it just feels like, to borrow the phrase from the great classic old school, it seems like a lot of different teams, not everybody, but a lot of different teams are in the process of going streaking. Now, now neither you or I will be going streaking at all, which is good. We're going to be right here. We are in a family-friendly atmosphere, sports betting, just the family-friendly entertainment we all want. But a big week for the streaks, Adam, and it starts in the NL East where... A couple different teams have certainly been going streaking all week, and that continued into today with the Atlanta Braves, who continue to stay hot. We kept waiting. It seems like it's been a recurring theme on this show. When will the defending World Series champions find a way to wake up? And it appears as though, Adam, the Braves, are they finally woken up with an 11-game winning streak now after yet another one today? Yeah, and that was something we talked about because like, they've played a very weak schedule here of late. You know, I mean, they played Pittsburgh for four games. They played Oakland for two. They were at Colorado for four. And they even lost the first two games of that road trip in Arizona before winning the, the series finale. Although the offense got going. You know, the, the one thing we've talked about with the Braves, we've kind of been waiting for their offense to sort of figure things out. They swing and miss too much, and they strike out a lot. And, and the thing that really ties a lot of these bad teams together, they don't have swing and miss pitchers on the staff. So the Braves have been able to get a lot of offensive confidence rolling, a lot of those big hits with men in scoring position because they've been able to make a lot of contact, and that's been really beneficial for them. And, you know, look, I mean, now they got three against Washington, three against the Cubs on this little road trip. Maybe they're able to keep this thing going a little bit longer. You would think Washington is just a natural auto win, but as we'll talk about with another one of our streaking teams in the wrong direction, it's not necessarily an auto win, but... Uh, the Braves now pulled it within five games of the Mets, with the Mets currently in action right now. They're just underway. Sunday night baseball, 1-1 game between the Mets and the Angels, just starting the bottom of the third. But uh, you look at what the Braves have done, too. You talk about offense. Last 14 days, third in WRC+, plus, 
third in weighted on base average and and third in isolated power as well. So clearly not only have they been putting balls in play, but it's certainly been translating to more not only hard hit contact, but doubles, triples, homers. And on the flip side, the pitching too. Like a, a staff with a, a fielded independent pitching of 316. It's one of those things where you talk about an, an avenue for a team coming all together. Are those not the type of metrics? And again, that's a small two-week sample size, obviously. But are, are those not the kind of metrics you're looking at when you want to see, okay, there is definitely positive change happening within an organization? Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, I mean, we've also talked about it, or at least I have, you know, in terms of offense being down early on in the year, the Braves are a team that wants to hit a lot of fly balls. And, and that dead ball really hurt them throughout the month of April and the first part of May. Now that we've seen this offensive uptick across the league, that plays to their style along with facing a lot of bad pitching, which is something that, you know, I just talked about they've done. But also, too, this bullpen leads Major League Baseball in F-War, Fangraphs' calculation of wins above replacement player with 4.0. Second is the Yankees with 3.4. So not only do they lead, they lead by a significant margin. So this bullpen has also been extremely good. It was the offense that was holding them back. And another thing, too, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. coming back off the torn ACL. You know, it took him a little bit of time to kind of get going but he's gotten going. A lot of guys were slumping together. Matt Olson was not swinging it well. Ozzie Albies wasn't swinging it all that well. A lot of these guys have kind of snapped out of their funks all at once, and that's something that you know you could take advantage of when it comes to bad pitching. The question will be, after these six games this week, as we mentioned against the Nationals and the Cubs, four with San Francisco at home, three with the Dodgers at home, and three with a resurgent Philadelphia Phillies team on the road. So after this week's six games, the next 10 become more difficult for them that's where I think we kind of see if this was just a, a benefit from facing bad pitching, or is this going to be a team that kind of turns it around for good? Certainly, odds makers feel like there's there's reason to believe in the Braves, but they've now been shortened back down to plus 220 to win the NL East. Mets, who are in action right now, still your favorites at minus 225, but that's a notch down from about the minus 300 price tag we saw in the Mets just about a week, week and a half ago when the Braves started this streak. And you mentioned the Phillies, who are our other team. Now their streak was just snapped today. Finally, after a 9-0 stretch right after Joe Girardi was fired as their manager, finally go down in a loss to the Diamondbacks today. But it appears as though they've salvaged their season. And a lot of the same metrics that when you look at, like in WRC+, plus, in weighted on base, in, in hard hit rates, as well as on the pitching side with that, that field of independent pitching, a lot of those metrics too, like we talked about with the Braves, are basically the exact same for Philadelphia. And the pitching, right, that's the one that we were kind of figuring, okay, there's, there's the shelf life here is probably not going to last more than like a series. Maybe you get a, a brief boost with a new manager coming in, but you can't just bring in a new manager and expect to figure out all your pitching woes overnight. But at least last two weeks, it appears as though they have to a degree. And the question becomes how sustainable will this be for the Phils who are now 11 to one at this point to win the NL East? Yeah. And for the Phillies, I mean, look, you know, if the bullpen gets the job done, it makes the manager look good. The bullpen did not get the job done. There wasn't really much that Joe Girardi could do with this team, with the guys that he was throwing out there. Now, I do remember that one of the criticisms when he was in New York, he is kind of a, an analytically savvy guy, but he wasn't always the best communicator. So maybe that is something that is a positive for the Phillies now, kind of moving him out, maybe somebody with a little bit more positivity or something like that. But the reality of it is, I mean, they were able to go on a heater because over the last 14 days prior to today's game, their bullpen at a 243 ERA. So you know, when the bullpen's getting the job done, everybody looks good. You win games, the manager comes out smelling like a rose all the time, all of that. It was, I guess we could say, possibly an out-of-body experience for that group because they have not pitched well, not only this year, but the last several years there in Philadelphia. 
But that was the thing. That was the really big part of their turnaround. Bryce Harper came back, so he was swinging it well. Other guys picked it up, but also the bullpen was able to shut it down and not put them into those compromising situations. The question now becomes, is that a new trend that has some sustainability to it? Or was it just, you know, two weeks of variance, as we often see in Major League Baseball, and they weren't good today. So... I don't know what to wait and see. They were not good today. And Corey Knable, the closer, big part of that bullpen, had shoulder soreness while warming up on Saturday. So he is day-to-day. They have not announced an injured list stint for him. but And a guy with a long injury history. <laughs> yeah. Very long uh, injury uh, Just a little bit. Only a right. few, just a few injuries over the years. So for a bullpen that just appeared to be rounding into form, now your closer goes down. There's been a lot of buzz in the Philadelphia market about Sir Anthony Dominguez really being maybe their best reliever, even when Knable was healthy. He had been more slotted into that seventh-inning role. What, what do you think about uh, that prospect of, of a guy like Dominguez actually, maybe this being the moment for him is kind of a, a catalyst opportunity to actually become the closer? Yeah, I mean, he is a guy that, that tried to have the job a few years ago and kind of struggled with it. That was when he was very, very young, pretty much just coming into the league. If I was Dave Dombrowski, what I would look to do here is go get a starting pitcher on the market and move Ranger Suarez to the back of the bullpen. That's what I would look to do because I think his stuff plays up really well in short bursts. As a starter last year, he wound up with a lot of batted ball success, a lot of left on base percentage success. But that's a guy that I think if he's a multi-inning relief weapon for you every two or three days, as opposed to trying to get you know five or six innings out of him every fifth day, I think that's better for where the Phillies currently are. I think too many teams, and this is just kind of a general point about Major League Baseball, too many teams look at converting starters into relievers as a developmental failure. But I don't think that's the case at all. I think when you've got... This current specialized environment, which just continues to grow. I mean, fewer and fewer pitchers working deep into games nowadays. If you can have a multi-inning relief weapon, then I think that's really, really valuable for you. Give me Ranger Suarez three times a week, two innings at a time, as opposed to one start where he gives you four and a third or four and two thirds, something like that. I don't think they'll do it necessarily, but that's what I would look to do. I would go get, if Knable's injury is serious, I would go get a starter, put Suarez back in the bullpen, because you already have Eflin's pitching really well. Wheeler's pitching very well. Nola's having a great year. Kyle Gibson's been good. You can afford to move a guy like Suarez you know, back there and just kind of float by with a fifth starter. I mean, this is an organization, keep in mind, that has not really had a consistent closer for it right. feels like, I don't know, you it's been a long time. go back to the, but the Brad Lidge days. I mean, I know there's been more consistent guys since then, but it has really been a revolving door. Uh, and you make a great point. Jorge Lopez is the first guy I think of who mm-hmm. throws a you know, no-hitter for the Royals a couple of years ago, goes to the Orioles, is kind of perceived as like a failed quote-unquote starter. He's got eight saves and a sub-one ERA this year for the Orioles. They haven't had a whole lot of save opportunities for him, but when he's had those chances, he's been really, really good. So those will be a couple storylines to watch out for. Phillies, Braves making moves in the NL East, along with the Mets, who are still playing really good baseball, but their division lead has been trimmed from 10 games and half down to five games, and we've seen those division odds tightened up uh, like we just talked about. Also in that division, the Marlins. They've won seven of ten. You know, that's a team where they aired all their grievances about Jazz Chisholm Jr., apparently, and I guess there were a lot of them to have a 90-minute meeting about him. But, uh, you know, I mean, look, that's a team now, and that's a team, too, that they're plus 23 in run differential. They should be a lot better in terms of wins and losses than they are. They've just been really, really bad in one-run games, and that'll make your record look pretty poor. But now you have another team here. You know, it's one seven to ten playing some pretty good baseball. Obviously, they've got some good starting pitching, you know, and they're kind of moving some guys around organizationally too. This NL East, where the, the Mets kind of ran out way in front of everybody, 
this division's kind of showing its mettle now, with the exception, of course, of the Nationals, who even then, I mean, they've won five of their last ten, so at least they're playing break-even baseball. But the Marlins turning it up a little bit, I think, is another interesting storyline here in this division. And look, Nationals took two or three from the Brewers this weekend. Sneaky, mm-hmm. and they're at least sneaky. They're they're. At Bed three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets when you bet just five dollars. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare frisky i would describe them as they're not exactly frisky. great but they, 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 you know, they do they do their best to hang around in these games the Marlins lose, though, today against the Astros. But as you point out, a lot of these NL East teams making moves. And uh, the Mets right now, they're in, locked up in a tight one with the Angels. That's a 1-1 game, top of the fourth inning. We'll update you on the other side, get a live number on that, any of Adam's in-games, in-game thoughts. And then we go to one of our favorite segments. It's the regression report. I can't wait to see what you have cooked. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking, I know what's on the regression report. I'm just going to pretend like I don't know to feign my own surprise. But it's always a great segment, and it's just the start. We're getting rolling here from the Circa Sportsbook Studios in downtown Las Vegas. It's the run line. You found Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can play ball with the Peacock MLB Sunday Leadoff Challenge. Just draft your players and compete for free for up to $10,000 in prizes. Visit DraftKings.com slash Peacock for more info. Don't just watch your shows. Peacock them. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I know what Adam Berkley's doing with the Peacock this morning. He was watching his Guardians of Cleveland battling the Oakland A's. What did you make of the, the MLB on Peacock? Uh, experience there, Adam. I enjoyed it. First of all, Jason Benetti, who does the play-by-play for the Peacock games, and he's also a guy who does it for the White Sox. He's outstanding. He is really, really good. It was a very entertaining broadcast, even though Rick Manning was on it, who does color for the the Guardians games usually. Leave it at that. But okay, um, you know, look, (laughs) it it was uh, you know, it was was interesting to to start with a baseball game at eight thirty in the morning out here. Uh, that That was definitely a little bit different, but. You know, the Guardians, look, something I wrote about in the article, and of course something I couldn't really capitalize on because they were just such a big favorite throughout this series, they play really well against teams on their level or below them. It's the better teams they have a ton of problems with, and that's just been the way that they've been. You know, They're not a really plucky underdog for the most part. They're a team that you know wins in a favorite role against bad teams, and, and for the most part they did that here this weekend. Does that leave you in a spot where, because I know you're – you're always looking for value on the daily card. Do you find them? You find yourself not playing the Guardians as much as you normally would because when they're a juicy dog, you're probably not going to want to play them, and when they're a favorite, you kind of assume they'll get the job done, just in a very general macro sense. 
Yeah, in a general sense, for sure. I mean, you know, also, too, it's it's been really challenging because Bieber still is high-priced, even though he does have that velocity drop, and he's pitched well in spite of it. Tristan McKenzie, you can only back in certain situations against certain lineups, I think, despite the pretty good numbers that he has this year. Uh, Zach Plesak is a guy that, you know, he's coming around now as they're facing some weaker teams. Aaron Savale is still hurt. Uh, you know, Connor Pilkington's just kind of a fill-in guy. It's just one of those things where they don't really have a lot of imposing starting pitchers beyond Bieber. Cal Quantrill's a pitch-to-contact guy. The market doesn't really like him a whole lot, even though he tends to get the job done. He's a pretty effective pitcher. Uh, they are a team that, you know, fortunately I know, and maybe I know them too well to the point where yeah. it is hard for me to play on or against them. Three games back in the AL Central, above the White Sox. Only a half game back in the final wild card. Do you know, Adam, who has the fewest wins against teams over 500? Is it the it Guardians? Is, it's the, it's <laughs> the Guardians. <laughs> Makes sense. They are a hearty 6-12 and 12 against teams above 500. They have not played that many games, which is, this is probably the craziest stat I have seen. The Houston Astros have only played 15 of their 60 games against teams above 500 so far, and they're 8-7. and seven. Really can, you believe, the, can you believe that? I'm really enjoying the disappearing microphone that I have here. It's just, <laughs> it's just gradually sliding down. It's like the chairs at South Point. Uh, you know, but look, for yeah. Houston, I mean... It's, it's not a good division, right? I mean, nobody else in the division is over is 500. So correct. that that kind of filters into it a little bit as well. But, you know, that's it is something that's really important to point out. You know, the, the level of competition that teams have played and kind of what's real and what's not. And, you know, like we just talked about with the Braves, they're on this big-time heater, and they've played absolutely nobody during that stretch. So is it a byproduct of that? Is it just this team kind of playing up to its level? It's the same thing with the Guardians, who I think have won like 11 of 14 or something like that. They have not played a whole lot of good teams in that stretch. But you know, it's it's another like what we talked about with the White Sox, you know, in terms of their hopes to win this division. In the second half, they play a lot of nobodies where they could end up looking pretty good. Do you know who has the most wins against over five hundred teams so far? Yankees? No. No. The New York Mets. Metropolitans. Okay. The Mets, who are in action right now. And JD Davis has given the Mets a two one lead against Patrick Sandoval and the Angels here. It is the uh, rubber match of this three-game set so far. Yeah, and it's, it's been an interesting series, too. And it, it, frankly, it's been a really interesting road trip for the Mets in general where, you know, we kind of talked about it of they're going to get tested now, right? I mean, you know, they, as you mentioned, they've done really well against teams that are 500 or better, but this was a test of a road trip for them, playing the Dodgers, playing the Padres, playing the Angels. And all in all, they've done really well, especially when you consider the fact that they still don't have DeGrom, they don't have Scherzer, Chris Bassett was very open after his last start about saying, I don't really know what's going on, but there's something wrong with me, and I don't know what it is. And in spite of all that, you know, the Mets are, are going to probably you know break even or so on this trip. They, they closed this high as a twenty underdog, at least at, <laughs> at one shop in town, uh, and in a position right now where they're up 2-1. to one. Total in this game, for what that was worth, was a, was a nine juice to the over at most places. Uh, and right now, seeing in-game Adam Mets now up to a dollar ninety or so, eight and a half your up-to-date total with a little juice there to the under. And Taiwan Walker has looked a pretty pretty solid, especially as you point out in a rotation that still does not have Jacob Degrom back, although he's making progress. They just have gotten Tyler McGill back as they work him into the rotation. But other guys, is in Chris Bassett's case as well, guys who maybe are not in in the best of health at this moment. But Walker is certainly one of those linchpin type guys that can certainly help to weather the storm and close some of those gaps, don't you think? Yeah, he's a frustrating guy from a betting standpoint, though, too, because you know not only is he hurt a lot, and that's something that kind yeah. of adjusts his rhythm and kind of messes with him, but you know for the most part, he's been a guy that 
you know, he'll allow a lot of hard contact one start, not do it in the next start. He'll walk a bunch of guys in one start, then go two or three starts without giving up a lot of walks. You know, has kind of a league average-ish type of strikeout rate. He's a really tough guy to sort of peg when he's going to pitch well and when he's not. But, you know, for the most part here, uh, these Mets guys, I mean, you know, we've talked about kind of their first five record and things of that sort. They've really gotten a lot of excellent starting pitching throughout the course of the season. And maybe that's something that can help them as that offense kind of slides back a little bit. But, you know, look, I mean, this is a team that also, too, we saw it last year, you know, with some of the moves that they made, with some of the money that they've spent. If they have the opportunity to improve this team at the trade deadline, they're going to do it. And I, I'll be curious to see if the Braves are willing to do that, if the Phillies are willing to do that, you know, or if the Mets are a team that can really take a leap forward, especially, I mean, you, you can consider probably Jacob deGrom as a trade deadline acquisition at this point. You're not going to find a better pitcher than that guy. I, to get I, that's a very fair point. You don't have to give anything up in exchange. He's right. already on, on your actual roster. Walker doing this, too, with a, a sub-five strikeout per nine rate. That's by far the lowest of his career. A 3.28 ERA entering today, but a 4.59 xFIP, and he's been able to pitch uh, through, even though some of the underlying metrics saying he should not be doing this well. But three and two as he makes his tenth start, and he's doing pretty well uh, so far in this one with uh, just the one run allowed through his first three and a third. We'll keep our eyes on this game throughout the rest of the show, but it is without further ado, Adam, the regression report, and one of these teams that we have talked about early on in the segment is on your report. I believe you had the Guardians on your report once for their hitters. But you are now going a different angle here with your team, the Cleveland Guardians. Yeah, you know, look, I mean, we talked about this last week on the show in terms of their hitters, where they lead the league in batting average with runners in scoring position and two outs by a pretty significant margin. They have the highest OPS in Major League Baseball as well. So they're getting a lot of timely hits, makes the offense look a lot better. It's one of the reasons why they can beat up on bad teams but struggle with good teams, because bad teams just allow more base runners, and they've been able to capitalize on those situations. However, today, I want to look at their pitching staff, because that's also a group in line for some negative regression. When you look at them since May 14th, and I'm using May 14th as the cutoff because something happened around that time in Major League Baseball. All of a sudden, the switch was flipped. Offense came back. The ball started flying out of the ballpark a little bit more. I don't know if humidor settings were messed with or something like that. Who knows? But since May 14th, where offense has really had a significant uptick, the Guardians have a 284 ERA as a team, but a 387 FIP, at least going into today's mm. game, They've got an 81.1% left on base percentage. So they are stranding a lot of runners. So you've got them on both sides here. And this is a concept I've talked about this before that Joe Peter wrote about in his book, Trading Bases, called Cluster Luck, where they're getting all these key hits with two outs of men in scoring position. The other team is not getting those hits against Cleveland. So it's a scenario where they're kind of playing over their heads a little bit just because of sequencing and some of the good luck that they've had and specifically their bullpen. Now, yesterday, Eli Morgan gave up a grand slam, so their numbers kind of changed a little bit. But since May 14th, their bullpen is a 177 ERA, 81.9% left on base percentage with a 290 FIP. So, again, they're they're really getting fortunate in a lot of these high-leverage situations. It may continue. It may not. I don't know. But this team is is not as good as they've played over the last two weeks, I would say. And the level of competition has a lot to do with that, but also a lot of these stats have just been very favorable for It's them. just fascinating that the cluster luck you talk about would happen not only on the hitting side, and one mm-hmm. week we talk about them on the show, but also on the pitching side, both coming together basically at, at the same time. And it begs the question on the bullpen side. You have Emmanuel Clase, who has 10 saves, over 10 strikeouts per nine, sub-2 ERA, fantastic young pitcher. Who else in that bullpen, and I can ask you this because you watch every Guardians game, who else do you really trust 
long term, despite what the numbers say right now, of the other guys in that pen? Yeah, I mean, look, I think Eli Morgan's a really good reliever. You know, he's got a plus-plus changeup, which is something that can really play up in short bursts where hitters aren't going to see it a whole lot. He gets to add velocity, which which creates more separation in pitch speed between the fastball and the changeup. He's a guy that's converted starter into a reliever, not good enough to start, but good as a reliever. He's a guy that I think they're really going to have to build on quite a bit here. They haven't used Nick Sandlin a whole lot. In fact, he's been kind of banged up. Um, you know, they've got Trevor Steffen, who's been good for the season, but kind of hit a rough patch here lately. That's a really good question because Brian Shaw is a well below average reliever now. And, you know, they're just some guys that they can't really use in those spots that Francona doesn't trust. James Krinchak was expected to be that eighth mm-hmm. inning piece, 60 day IL. Any, any timetable on his return that I we know of? I believe he's doing a rehab assignment okay. in AAA right now. Okay. So, so close. hopefully he'll be back soon. Well, hopefully for your sake. I agree. As a Guardian fan, we'll see. But that, that very good insight. That's just one part of the regression report, though. We wouldn't, we wouldn't want to shortchange this great site. But we'll talk about another pitching staff that might have a little bit of regression. We'll also get into real or fake. That is still to come as we roll on. It's our number one of the run line on a beautiful Sunday evening from downtown Las Vegas. You found Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 plus only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Back alongside Adam Burke, I'm Ben Wilson. Jason Kahn, our producer behind the glass. Andrew Ingold, our outstanding technical director. Whole cast and crew here behind the glass and inside the Circus Sportsbook Studios. A lot happening, Adam. We're now uh, into the fifth inning. 2-1 Mets on top of the Angels. Metropolitan's a 2-220 to uh, live favorite in this position. 8.5 heavy juice to the under right now uh, is your in-game total. And I know you were discussing, as part of this whole regression report, you noticed something very funny. And some of these individual games have some pretty mega in-game regression things happen, and the Cubs-Yankees game yesterday was was one of those pieces, which is ironic is you're going to say the stat, and then we're going to tell everybody what then happened today right on top of that. Yeah, so <laughs> yesterday's game, I mean, this is remarkable. I've, I've never seen anything like this. I didn't scroll through Twitter enough to see if it's a record, but I presume it was. The two teams, the Cubs and the Yankees, game went 13 innings. They combined to go one for 37 with runners in scoring position. And the one hit was the walk-off single from Trevino that actually won the game. But 1 for 37. I have to assume 0 for 36 is like the worst start with men in scoring position to a game ever. It would have to there's, be. there's no way it could not be that. Yeah, I, I would think that, so. What was, the all, what was the all-star game at, I think it was at Yankee Stadium, that went like 15 innings back when they had first, they'd first started doing the, or sorry, it was like the last, one of the last, or last uh, home field advantage Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and it was like literally nobody could get a hit. And they were, I mean, I think it was David Wright was getting ready to warm up in the bullpen. Like it was World Series home field advantage was on the line in a 15-inning All-Star game. And it kind of reminded me of that. Uh, but then today the Yankees, they kind of busted out of it. Uh, 10 I, for I say, 16. I say kind of. And it was <laughs> 10 for 16. And it leads to my stat of the week here on this show where the Yankees put up 18 runs. And uh, Matt Swarmer for ESPN Stats and Info. Matt Swarmer. It's 
dire right now for the Cubs. Yeah. Matt Swarmer, he becomes the second pitcher in Major League Baseball history to allow six solo home runs in the game. Adam, can you name the only other pitcher in Major League history to allow six solo home runs in one Major League Baseball game? How long ago? You were not recent? alive. I was not alive. Not oh, alive. then I have no idea. You, you will appreciate this. Uh, Hollis Sloppy Thurston. Okay. On August 13th, 1932. Okay. So a pitcher named I, Sloppy. I presume that's how he got the nickname Sloppy, by giving up a bunch of home runs? I mean, he probably was somewhat sloshed in the head, given the you know, pitchers of the day. Yeah. And then throwing some, just throwing BP fastballs up. There. I can't believe I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm really disappointed, Adam. I, I expect better. We're gonna need to. We're gonna find a replacement for you on this show since you were unable to answer that. Uh, there is a second piece though to this regression report for this week, and it's a team who had a big, big weekend trying to get themselves back in the NL West race. That would be the San Francisco Giants, who end up sweeping the LA Dodgers. They're back to within now three and a half games out of that NL West race. Padres, uh, who lost today against the Rockies, they fall now to a half game back in the NL West as a whole, and. I look at this Giants team, Adam, who you feel like are certainly in line here for some better pitching, specifically in the back end of the bullpen. Yeah, look, I really like this team. I really, truly do. I think offensively they're still really good. Look, they got four shutout innings on Friday out of the bullpen. Uh, they got, let's see, they only gave up two runs, one earned, but they had to throw six innings out of the bullpen on Saturday and then got three scoreless innings here on Sunday. So, you know, look, this is this has happened multiple times when we've done the regression report where we kind of isolate something Thursday or Friday to talk about on the show, put in the rundown, all that. And then the positive or negative regression happens before we even get to talk about it. But the Giants are a team here. When you look at their bullpen and their pitching staff, they have huge discrepancies between their ERAs and FIPS, not only for the full season, but especially since May 14th in that sample size I've been talking about. Their bullpen going into Saturday's game had a 572 ERA, but a 474 FIP. They had a 16.5% strikeout percentage, and therein lies the problem. The Giants are a really, really awful defensive team this season, and I don't know why. I don't know what's necessarily changed for them to be so bad defensively, but this is their issue. They don't have a high strikeout rate staff. A lot of balls in play for them, and a lot of balls that have found holes. They have the second highest ground ball percentage against and a lot of those have been getting through. So it must be the infield defense that's really been bad for them. But they're a team where their left on base percentage is extremely low. 63.4% for them since May 14th going into Saturday's games. Obviously, they you know did very well here the, over these last two games. The shutout today, only two runs yesterday, only two runs on Friday. So maybe this is already improving a little bit for them, or maybe it's just variance. But this is a pitching staff that doesn't strike guys out, and it's really hurt the team because they're so bad defensively. If they can start optimizing pitch usage and get more strikeouts as we go forward, then the Giants may end up really being a force to be reckoned with as the season goes along. And it's a team that's 33-26 and 26, despite all of that. Mm -hmm. And you look at their, their pitching, at least the presumed pitching, where they've yet to get Matthew Boyd in, enveloped into their rotation since he had the flexor tendon surgery in the offseason, the acquisition and free agency from Detroit. And Anthony DiSclefani, he's been out since April with the ankle inflammation. Alex Cobb remains on the 15-day I.L. with that strained neck from earlier this month. And Jacob Junis, the, the, the latest piece who had been that bright spot, was at, at best maybe a fringe fifth starter for a lot of teams throughout his big league career, enjoying a really nice start to this season. He's now on the I.L. on the 15-day with a strained hamstring. So when, when, Sam, when you're in a four-man rotation now and Sam Long is your fourth starter, you kind of wonder, okay, you're, you're really going to be relying on that bullpen even more so. And, and we saw... 
I mean, six different pitchers throw at least 14 pitches in, in the Saturday game. Had to, uh, Jake McGee had to get this, was able to take the save today since Camilo Doval, their normal closer, was unavailable. So the, the one qu- issue I would have, and at least the question that is raised here, is what do you make of this pen with, with how taxed they have been here recently? And given that there's not a, it's not like it's going to be totally coming back to normal here for the starting rotation, a lot of guys still banged up here in the, in the very near future. Yeah, and so something that we looked at during the break was, does this team have tomorrow off? Because they need it. You know, you're coming oh, no. off of playing the Dodgers. They have <laughs> they all the bullpen usage. They don't. And what's really interesting is they'll be a big favorite because they're playing the Kansas City Royals. So, you know, Kansas City is just not a good baseball team at all. They are sending Brady Singer out tomorrow. Alex Wood goes for the Giants. Maybe a, not a bad spot to throw a half unit, you know, something like that on the Royals, who are going to be probably more than a $2 dog, I would say. I don't know if anyone's posted this number yet or not. No number up as of right now. But you look at this Giants team, right? So Rodon pitches today, or Rodon pitched really well today, six shutout innings. Coming into the, it, coming into today, if I can talk here, 351 ERA, it. 265 <laughs> FIP. Logan Webb, 377 ERA, 319 FIP. Alex Wood, who's going tomorrow, 423 ERA, 325 FIP. So almost a full run difference for him. How about Alex Cobb in his eight starts? 573 ERA, 263 FIP. So you have all of these guys that are, in theory, positive regression candidates because they have big gaps between their ERAs and their FIPs. The problem is the defense is so bad here. So if the Giants can find a way to figure that out, and they are one of the smartest organizations in baseball, this team can really take off because the offense is scoring about five runs per game. They've been really, really solid. They have a ton of talent in the rotation that's kind of underperforming from an ERA standpoint for something that's largely out of their control. This Giants team, I think, is extremely interesting, possibly a little bit undervalued going forward. And and in these really deep divisions, too, that are stacked like an NOS, we've kind of talked about this in the past, where it becomes really hard to start recommending Mm in-season divisional futures. But I say all that and then ask, is 8-1 to on the Giants? Is that a number you'd be willing to take take a little sprinkle on, given all the things we've just laid out here? You know what? I, I really don't think it's a bad idea. I, you know, look, I, I think this team is really, really good. They're not going to win 107 games like they did last year, obviously. They're well behind that pace. But, again, these problems are fixable for them, right? Whether it's advanced scouting, whether it's, you know, getting somebody in there that plays better defense, the trade deadline is coming up. You can find a glove first infielder or something like that to help you out. But also, the Giants show a lot of positive signs. The Dodgers, look, Walker Buehler went for an MRI, you know, Julio Urias, Urias is a guy that we've talked about as having a big innings increase, so I'd worry a lot about him. Tyler Anderson's been great, but, I mean, you know, look, he's a guy in his career who's been an average pitcher at best. Tony Gonsolin's probably been the best and most consistent starter for this team. He's a young guy looking at a big innings increase. The bullpen's kind of been a little bit hit or miss at times. There are some red flags and some concerns, I think, with the Dodgers Whereas I think the arrow is pointing up a little bit more for the Giants. Fascinating. And not only with all the regression things you talked about, and it's true, it is a defense that has really struggled, but they've really upped the amount of ground balls they're inducing, the mm-hmm. 48% rate, that second only the Brewers so far this season. So they're certainly doing the right things, especially as, and you've talked about this, there was whatever that truncating date you want to you wanna really look to was, but the ball went from being basically dead to not dead. That, that, right. is the, that is the easiest non-super geeky mathematical explanation I can say. And so clearly there is now an emphasis on 
Like strikeouts matter again and mm-hmm. getting ground balls matters again. And it seems like the Giants are doing that. Well, and that's what I would look to do. You know, I, I would try to optimize your pitcher. Like Logan Webb, his slider's not moving the same way as it did last year. His strikeout rate is down. You know, I would try to figure that out, get that fixed. That's probably easier to do than revamping your whole defense. That's a good point. We still have real or fake still to come on the show, but next we wrap up our number one. We're going to go back to a segment we call Cross Them Off. Are there any more teams we're adding to our already existing Cross Them Off list? And we'll talk some prospects. There's some interesting angles Adam's got when we return. That is all coming up right after this here on The Run Line. Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check the current betting splits data. The betting splits page will show you where the money and bets are moving for every game. And now it is updated. How about this? Every 10 minutes, you can see changes in all the action. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match the public opinion. You can check out not only today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way. VSIN is here to make you a smarter, better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vsin.com. It's the first hour of the run line here from downtown Las Vegas, Circus Sportsbook Studios. The Mets and the Angels still in action right now as we welcome you back in with Adam Burke. I'm Ben Wilson. 2 1 game right now, middle of five as the Mets, the first five backers trying to get a win here. With a couple of good pitchers so far, Taiwan Walker and Patrick Sandoval. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Doing a job well done, scattering a combined 13 hits, uh, but three runs so far. We found out, those of us watching earlier, Adam, on Sunday Night Baseball, that uh, the Angels, they were part of, we talked opening the show about all these teams going streaking. Angels were one of them with a franchise record 14-game losing streak. Joe Madden apparently got a mohawk to try and get the voodoo magic going to turn the tide, except the players, we found this out tonight on the broadcast from ESPN, the players never got to see the Mohawk because he was fired before they ever revealed it. Like, And he was going to get a Mohawk at the end of the losing streak, essentially, as a, I don't know, some sort of token symbol to the baseball gods. I don't know, but the players never saw it. What a shame. I mean, can you even imagine something that humiliating? Not only do you get the Mohawk, but the team that you're trying to lead and get you out of this rut doesn't even get to see it, and you're fired on top of all that. Yeah, a little insult to injury, I guess. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I mean, amazing. look, uh, 
you know, I don't know where things go with Phil Nevin here being the the interim manager for the Angels, but Joe Madden was an extremely overrated manager. I'm 100 percent extremely with you. overrated. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a guy who I look. I fine. He broke the drought with the Cubs, much to my chagrin, of course. But you know, I think a lot of the smart things that the Rays were doing from a front office standpoint basically just rubbed off on him. Then he goes to the Cubs, where he's got a perfect storm of all this talent that was growing up together. You know, with that team that was really, really good there for you know what about 2014 to 2017, 2018 or so. Uh, and you know, now we saw him with a team that has a lot of star power, kind of a stars and scrubs type of unit. And you know, they lose 14 in a row and can't really get out of it. Now that was another one where the bullpen wasn't any good for a long period of time, much like the reason why Joe Girardi was fired. So you know, that's something you can look for if you're kind of wondering about a manager's job security. Just see how the bullpen's done lately and. Pretty high correlation there, but I think Joe Madden was extremely overrated. I completely agree with you. And as the question started getting thrown around this week of, is Joe Madden Hall of Fame worthy? And no. I would say no, no way. No. No, no way. Uh, so between Joe Madden and Joe Girardi, two guys get fired. Uh, but the Angels, at least, are you, are you crossing off the Angels yet? I don't think you, I don't know that you necessarily can just because of the star power that is there and the overall ability behind them but we did this exercise right around memorial day weekend and it was more just to say okay who are the terrible teams we know for sure we can cross off and we i have a list in front of me adam we crossed off the orioles royals tigers a's nationals pirates cubs reds tigers and for some reason i wrote cubs a second time because because why not cross them off twice cross cross the cubs off again once more Uh, are you adding the angels to that list or do you still have, have at least seen enough to think well they lost 14 straight. They could put, there's certainly an avenue where they win 14 straight and get right back into the race. There aren't a lot of silver linings for losing 14 straight. There's not. But I will say, the streak started against Texas, then they lost four to Toronto, who really woke up offensively in that series. And obviously, Toronto's been a really good team, even without a whole lot of situational hitting. Play the Yankees. The Yankees are just beating everybody. I mean, that's a team that refuses to slow down. They get swept by Philadelphia, but the Phillies, where, you know, they, they get rid of Joe, Joe Girardi, Things kind of change a little bit for them. Then they played Boston, and then, you know, here now they're playing the Mets. I mean, they've played some really good teams in that stretch. Now, it's not an excuse for losing 14 in a row. That should never happen. But they did play some good teams. And now after they play this two-game uh, you know, series against the Dodgers here on Tuesday and Wednesday, they play five at Seattle. They play Kansas City at home, three with Seattle at home. The White Sox, who knows what they look like by that point. They can get back on track a little bit here I'm, I'm not ready to write them off there's a ton of star power on this team and you know they've got a certain amount of pitching depth using the six-man rotation and all of that where I think everybody kind of stays a little bit fresher heading into the late part of the season I think this team can still be in the mix for you know that final playoff spot I don't think they get it necessarily but I wouldn't cross them off no no, so no cross-up. No there's cross there some interesting, too, and every book does this because of how, for the early part of the season, both Shohei Otani and Mike Trout topped the American League MVP leaderboard. We finally saw a shakeup of that early last week when Aaron Judge and his ridiculous statistical output he's put up so far in 2022 finally overtook Otani. But there's one book in town here, Adam, that has been uh, – I'll pull it up in a second. They've been offering the – does an Angels player win the 2022 MVP? So you're essentially getting Trout – or Otani, or if somehow anybody else were to do that. So the yes is plus 280, the no is minus 360. There are very few cases in which I would argue it is worth laying a price anything more than 2 dollars or $3, but 
An Angels player is not winning the MVP this season. I, I think as a fair statement we can make, at least unless a massive second-half surge takes place and unless Shohei Otani drastically improves both at the plate and on the mound as well. But minus 360 is one of those rare numbers that is actually tempting despite being pretty massive here. So that's a really interesting question, an interesting prop to say the least. Because first of all, I mean, you just if the answer is no, you just bet Aaron Judge, right? Like, who else has a chance at the American? I, I mean, Jose Ramirez should, frankly, should win the award because without him, I don't know how many wins the Guardians would actually have. But he hasn't been getting much respect in that market at all throughout the course of the season. He's consistently been 12 to 1, 14 to 1, you know, in that 20 to 1 range early on in the year, stuff like that. I think 11 is the, the lowest right. I've so, seen him, even with the great numbers. So if it's up. not an angel, it's Aaron Judge. Like, there's really no other option, right? So if if your answer is no, then you just go bet Aaron Judge. You think so? You're not worried. You're not worried at all about I, the Judge I'm, injury. I'm worried about Judge's injury history. I'm, uh, Trout. I mean, you know, it's such he was a long season. Up again. I mean, we saw Mookie Betts right. go basically in, in the span nuclear of for two weeks. In the span of the favorite. yeah, two yeah. weeks, Mookie Betts went from twenty five thirty to one to the favorite. So why? Well, it, like, but it's an interesting point, question. Like so, to me, I think an, the only way an Angels player doesn't win is if Judge wins or if they both get hurt. Because, again, like the thing about Otani is he can be the MVP every single year because he does something we've never seen before. Like, the dude throws 100 and hits tanks. Like, we've never seen that before. So I, I, it kind of comes down to sort of handicapping the voters, I think. But something I just looked at here, the last 22 games for the Angels this season, Guardians, Mariners, Rangers, Twins, A's, Rangers, A's. So if they're in the hunt late, Trout and or Otani can't help their MVP causes with mm -hmm. that bad of a schedule where, I mean, the only playoff team in that span is, is the Twins. They play three games at Target Field. And I'll say this. Angels last year, 475 win percentage, 77 wins. Otani wins MVP. Angels right now, 475 win percentage. Which, again, I mean, you know, it, the MVP should go to the guy who's the most valuable player in the league, irrespective of what his team does. But we know that in the minds of the voters, you get a bump in the MVP thing if your team is a playoff team. So if the Angels are in that hunt, you know they play 19 of their last 22 games against teams that are going to be below 500 or you know, 500 at best. That's a great point. So you know maybe it's that helps. A, it's a very interesting prop and a question to to look at. But at the end of the day, too, and this is from the team wide perspective, you're saying no, you're not going to cross off the Angels. A few other candidates that I felt like were worth mentioning, and I think look, Guardians. I don't think you can cross off. Say what you will about they've only the fewest wins against over 500 teams of anybody, but. They're at least taking care of business, and they're 500, and they're only a, a couple games out of the playoffs at this point. And I don't think Minnesota's that good. And we both agree on that. I, I, the team that wins the Central probably has 85 wins, 84, 85 wins. I mean, there's a path to doing that for Cleveland. There is. So, you cannot cross off the Guardians. I don't think you can cross off the Marlins either with what we've just uh, discussed. You at least think there's an outside chance they well, will get into September at least in a – it, there will be a pathway to at least sneak into a wild card spot. Now, again, remember, extra wild card this year. Yeah, I, it's it's so tricky because are the Phillies what we're seeing now or are the Phillies what we saw previously? Are the Braves going to actually sustain this run or was it just a byproduct of playing absolutely nobody for two weeks? You know, the, the Marlins, their pit, I mean, their pitching staff is incredible. And, and Max Meyer will be up here at some point, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, they still don't hit particularly well, but that pitching staff keeps them in every game pretty much. So I, I wouldn't cross them out. I mean, I don't think I would either. 
They're plus 23 in run differential, and they're four games under 500. That doesn't add up. I have Rockies and Diamondbacks I have on my list. Yeah, I think we're on. ready to do it. Go on. Oh, okay. I didn't need to even Deuces. talk you into it. I, Bye-bye. I mean, look, Colorado has not played well for a long period of time, too. You know, and, and I mean, obviously, they get that big offensive boost at Coors Field, but their road numbers are so bad. Haven't even been that good at home, either. No. Barely 500 been. this year, 16 and 16. And, the, look, Diamondbacks has been a great story. We, they were one of the lowest win totals of anybody. But we're starting to see the leaks kind of grow into more uh, more of the big holes that we kind of thought we would see out of the Diamondbacks when the season began. Diamondbacks, I will say, Herman Marquez, good start today. Maybe Was that helps start. the Rockies a little Cost bit. Cost me a fantasy matchup. Lost because of Herman Marquez today. Right. Thanks for nothing. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Appreciate it. Diamondbacks and Rockies each now nine and ten and a half games out of that NL West race, respectively. All right. We- At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.